Welcome to Behind the Spacebar, episode five. Stop focusing on how and focus on this instead. Behind the Spacebar is a podcast for playback engineers, playback techs, musicians, music directors, really anyone uh, that uses Ableton Live on stage. My name is Will Dogger. If we haven't met yet, thanks for joining me. Um, thanks for coming back if you've been here before. I do want to say a quick shout out uh, up front and at the top of this episode to my buddy, Kevin Melton. Kevin, I noticed uh, last week on Apple Podcasts left a review, and I wanted to give him a shout out. Uh, Kevin said, um, I've known Will for a long time and partnered together for conferences at my church. His heart to help the local church is clear, and his commitment to high-quality content is inspiring. Churches that are struggling in worship production using tracks in Ableton should hire Will to help them gain the excellence they are desiring. Kevin, thanks for that note. Um, if you leave a comment, if you leave... Um, a review on uh, Apple Podcasts, then I'd love to give you a shout out on a future episode. If I know who it is, obviously I could tell it was Kevin because uh, uh, Kevin's a buddy of mine, uh, then I'll give you a shout out. If not, I'll just read your review. So um, thanks for that, Kevin. I appreciate it. Um, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, do me a favor, leave a review. And again, like I mentioned, next episode, I'll give you a shout out. Um, also shout out to my daughter who uh, did a little interior decorating before the episode. You could see if you're watching. Uh, and then there's another fun little piece that she put in. I figured I would at least leave it for, uh, for this episode and then, uh, we'll go back to the normal setup, but I'm super excited for that. Um, I also want to mention up front before we get into this week's episode, if you, um, like Kevin, our worship leader at a church or a music director at a church, musician at a church, um, I'd love for you to check out uh, a new podcast that I just started this year, 2022 is the first episode, uh, called volunteer friendly volunteer friendly, um, is, I would venture to say the most different worship or church focused podcast I think I've ever listened to, uh, because it's not a podcast that's an interview with famous churches, famous worship leaders. Uh, if you're not serving in a church, this podcast really isn't going to make a lot of sense to you. Um, and it's also a podcast I don't think will be very popular because it will make people think and uh, will probably irritate a few people. So I'll just show you episode two here has excellence become an idol. Um, I think will stir up a bit of a ruckus for a few people. Uh, is worship fails beneficial? And then planning versus spontaneity. You can read the description for that if you head over to the Volunteer Friendly Podcast. The best way to find that uh, is go to volunteerfriendly.com. Um, I'll leave a, a, a note in the show notes linking to that over on um, Apple Podcasts as well too. But if you're involved in, uh, in church worship in any capacity, music director, musician, then that'll be super helpful. Uh, but today's show is, uh, is for everyone. Today's show is on something that I've seen. It's kind of a general trend that I've seen, um, I think, changing in the past few years. Uh, although it's a it's a old story, it's a story we've all heard, um, you know, for many many years, and something that I think people have struggled with for many many years. Uh, and today we're talking all about fishing, uh, and you may know where I'm going with this if you start to piece two and two together. Um, but we're talking about something that I've seen, I think, definitely grow in the past few years as I wouldn't say a concern that I have, but it's something that I think differentiates people that tend to be really successful playback techs, people that tend to be successful in uh, in a production field, in a technical field, even in a creative field, I think they kind of get this. Um, and so uh, here's here's the thing. I want to start at the, the really good part about this. Um, I think never before in history, and that's a, that's a bold, bold statement, but I, I think never before in a time in history uh, at a single place in the world, um, you look at the timeline of the existence of the world, I don't think have we ever been a society that's been so blessed that we literally have the answer to any question that, that we want at our fingertips. 
I mean, literally any single uh, answer to any question you have, you think of any question you have, you can find the answer to that um, on the internet. Um, if you want to learn something, learn a new skill, figure out how to solve a problem, the answer is a Google search away, and it's likely even free. Uh, we have a minivan, and I remember uh, a couple months ago, the seat in our minivan like got stuck, and it wouldn't go back up. And so we're like, well, that's it. You know, it's time to finally buy a new new van. We're uh, that's just the life we're living. That's what we got to do. And of course, after a little bit of Googling, my wife found uh, a YouTube video of someone that said, here's how to fix this backseat issue in a Honda Odyssey van. Uh, and we fixed it and it was completely for free. I, I know folks that have completely learned how to code, how to create and develop apps um, simply by just Googling. Uh, watching a YouTube video, maybe they even did pay to like join uh, a community, a course uh, to learn how to get better at something. But literally, if they wanted to learn how to program, how to code, to develop apps, the the resources, the training are out there. Um, from studio to stage, we talked about this a couple episodes again. You know, we're a community focused on helping people learn how to run tracks like a pro. Uh, focusing on helping people learn how to use Ableton Live on stage, you know, whether it's for keys, to create a connected stage, uh, to control your production elements, um, to run tracks, whatever it is, you know, that's kind of the community that, that we're about. And so if you want to learn how to run tracks like a pro, you can go to From Studio to Stage and you can learn that. Here's the thing, that's an amazing time. Um, but while this is amazing, we've all got to learn to fish. And that's here's what I mean by that. I think we all know the old saying, and I think some of you kind of knew where I was going with this. Um, we all knew the old saying, you can give a man a fish and feed him for a day, or you can teach a man to fish and you can feed him for a lifetime, right? Now, I don't like fish, so if you gave me a fish, I would starve because I wouldn't eat it. So it's not a great analogy. But we, as a society, again, I see this developing more and more, but I think we're kind of trained to do this now. We have a problem. We go to Google. How do I? Why is this not working? How to fix? how to learn, blah, blah, blah. We search for the how. We're really good at that. Again, we live in an amazing time that we have amazing sources that um, that teach us the how, that that uh, give us the answers to that. But here's what, I, here's what I really think and believe, and I'm seeing this in my life, and I don't always get it right, and I don't always do it well, but I've seen this in uh, folks that I look up to, um, folks that uh, I think are really good at their jobs and what they do. Uh, if we want to make an impact, if we want to grow, get a better gig, We've got to stop asking how. We've got to stop focusing on how. We've got to learn to ask why. Um, I think if we want to move beyond where we are, we want to grow in a skill. We want to master a skill to become an expert at, I don't know, Ableton Live, at songwriting, at recording, at running lights, whatever it is. You know, whatever you're, you're listening to this, whatever it is. Um, I think if we want to get better at that, we've got to stop asking and focusing on the how and asking how do we do it. And we've got to start um, asking, but all the way we've got to start learning why. Here's what I mean by that. I'll give you an example. This is hyper-specific to my field, to something I've seen, to content I've created. And so if you're, um, if you're not in the tracks world and you just happen to be listening, maybe, you know, I don't know why you'd listen to this if you're not in the tracks world, but if you are, then so thankful you're here. But um, if, if that happens to be you, this, this may be a little more technical, a little more in the weeds than you hoped, but um, I'll, I'll share an example. So there's this concept in um, using tracks and using Ableton Live that uh, that I've taught a lot over the past few years that's called using a virtual MIDI bus. 
And in particular, on the Mac side of things, it's it's um, this this thing called the IAC driver. That's kind of the the ticket, the thing to 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 do that. Uh, in fact, actually, um, as I'm recording this tutorial, we have a tutorial tutorial going out on uh, what day is that? I think Friday where I basically show three of my favorite kind of tips and tricks for using that. Uh, it's something I talk about a lot. You know, if you Google IAC driver Ableton, you'll, you'll find um, mostly my content. Cause it's something I've talked about for a very long time, talking about a lot more. Uh, so one of the concepts, one of the things you can do with the IAC driver, for example, is um, how do you get Ableton live to, to stop? And that sounds like a silly thing, but you're in arrangement view. You have your tracks loaded in, you go from track one to track two, it's going to automatically just kind of flow. But uh, what if I want to have it go and then I want it to stop, okay? So um, a lot of people Google, you know, how to get Ableton Live to stop, how to create a stop track or something, you know, whatever the terminology is that gets you there. Stop track, Ableton Live, IEC driver, MIDI clip, whatever. Um, they Google that and they get there. Well, you, if, you're, if you approach this the way most of us approach it, you'll go and you'll watch that video and you will learn how to get Ableton Live to stop. And you'll... In the midst of that, you'll learn how to set up the IEC driver. Uh, if it's a, a tutorial I've done, I'll talk far too long about what the IEC driver is. I'll talk about how to set it up, and you'll do that. You'll learn how to create a MIDI clip and map it to the stop button, and, and that's great. And those are all really good things. That's a good skill to ask. But if you walk away from that and you, you only approach that tutorial and you only learn how to do that one specific skill, then you only learn how to create a stop clip with Ableton Live. Um, but... If you learn what the IAC driver does, and if you understand why that works, you know, why at the core of me taking this MIDI clip and routing it, why does it work that way? And then you start to kind of process and you think through, then you go, oh, okay, so the reason that works is basically like the, the MIDI clip I'm doing is basically functioning like a MIDI controller. It's almost like I'm taking this physical MIDI controller. Uh, you could see the the Oakboard Mini uh, uh, over my shoulder there as my camera tries to focus and get into focus there. Um, that's my favorite uh, MIDI controller. In fact, I just did a video uh, that's airing this week where I talk about that MIDI controller. It's my favorite MIDI controller. Um, I, I basically am creating my own kind of MIDI controller, and I'm putting that um, in Ableton Live, and uh, but it's going to be a MIDI clip is the way that that's going to function and the way that that's going to trigger. So if I start thinking about that, then I can go, man, um, I wonder if I could turn Ableton Live's metronome on and off. And then I start thinking, okay, if I can map uh, my MIDI controller to Ableton Live's metronome to turn it on and off, and I just figured out how to create a stop clip and how to map a MIDI clip to Ableton Live stop, um, then I wonder if I could create another MIDI clip and map that to Ableton Live's metronome and turn that on and off just like I did a MIDI controller. Does that make sense how I got there? If I approach how to get Ableton Live to automatically stop, and the only thing I walk away from that particular tutorial with is how to do that specific thing, then I learned one thing, and then I was fed for a day, to borrow the overused, much overused analogy. Uh, but two, if I look at that tutorial and I watch that tutorial and I go, Okay, why does it work this way? What's actually happening? Uh, what's the, the the core principle here? What's the first principle that's at play here? And I learned that and I figured that out. And I realized, oh, I can take a MIDI clip and anything that is in purple and live can be assigned to be controlled by MIDI. And I can actually create a MIDI clip in live and using the virtual MIDI bus, assign that to anything that's purple that can be controlled via MIDI. So I can create MIDI clips. Well, then if I need to control this thing and it's controllable by MIDI, I can create a clip, send it to the virtual MIDI driver and do that, right? 
um, when we, we stop to think about the why and we dig deeper and we try to get to the core value, the core thing, um, then we start to add tools to our tool belt. We start to add um, uh, specific tools, specific resources. So that if we encounter a problem in the future, then we can stop and go, um, do I have a skill? Do I have a tool that will help me learn this in the future as opposed to just solving one specific thing? So um, here's, here's three kind of specific things, three takeaways I want to leave you with or three things to consider um, that I think will, um, will help. And then we'll, we'll wrap up this episode. Um, so number one, when, whenever you encounter a problem, whenever you find a solution to a problem, I think both of those, like one, there's a problem, what's going on here? Two, you find the solution. I think so many times we find a solution and we move on and we, we stop to ask, why did the thing we did solve it? I see that a lot. And I promise I'm not going to go on a big diatribe here in a, a big soapbox, but I see this a lot with a lot of um, younger folks that create Ableton Live tutorials for YouTube. And that's something I've been doing for years. Um, and and um, I'll see a lot of times where they'll make a tutorial and they say, oh, you have to do this thing. So that this will work. And just because I've done it longer than them, or I've made more mistakes than them, I'll go, actually, that's not why it works. The reason it works is because of this. And that's a, a, a situation that they had a problem, they found a solution, or they found a, a thing that solves it, but they didn't go that step deeper to go, why does it work this way? So when you encounter a problem, you find a solution to a problem, I want you to stop, I want you to dig deeper and ask why. Um, why does it work? Okay. Um, if this works, then does this work? Oh, okay. Actually, both of these methods work. Well, which one's the, the, the better method? Like if you're writing computer code, you know, there's a way to, to write code and to, um, develop something. Um, and then there's another way to write code and develop something. Both of them are working. So which one's the better way? Well, obviously the one that's the cleanest code, the least amount of steps is, uh, is, uh, the best solution. The simplest solution is likely the solution that's that's going to exist there. But I want you to stop. I want you to dig deeper. Ask why. Why does it work? Why didn't it work? Okay. Um, if something stops working and then suddenly it starts working again, that's never good enough for me. I hate solutions. Uh, raise your hand. Leave leave a comment. However, virtually you can do that. Let me know if you're like this in the sense of uh, you have a problem, you find a solution. Um, or maybe you don't find a solution, but you have a problem and then suddenly it just starts working again. There's nothing you did. There's nothing you changed. Um, there's, there's no structure that, that changed or whatever to solve that problem. It just suddenly started working again. I don't like those problems. I don't like those problems because I like problems that, uh, I go, Oh, the reason this didn't work is this. The reason it now works is because of this. Therefore, in the future, I'm going to always make sure I restart my Wi-Fi. I'm always going to, uh, I'm going to build a checklist to make sure I plug my computer in, whatever it is, like kind of go through your thing uh, to figure that out and to process it and to make sure everything works. The second thing I would highly encourage you to do, and this is, I guess this applies to more things, but I'm going to make it very hyper-specific to the world of Ableton Live, the world of software, plugins. Um, for keys players, plugins for audio effects. We can even extend it to hardware, but I want you to ask the question um, or I want you to learn the worldview of that particular software, that particular hardware. When I think about Ableton Live, what is Ableton Live's focus? What is Ableton Live's worldview? As a company, what is Ableton about? That's going to help me understand how and why they developed and created their software the way they did. Uh, Ableton is about creating software that's quick and easy. Uh, it's adaptable. They are, uh, they highly, highly value creativity, creativity over engineering, creativity over, uh, you know, a very specific kind of process that have to do this to do that. So 
for instance, with live to create a track, I hit command T to create a track, um, to create an audio track, to, to create a mini track, command shift T, I create a mini track. It just works really, really quickly. When it comes to warping, this is something, again, I'm getting hyper specific here, but when it comes to warping, that's something that uh, I talk to people often and I say, what really helps with warping is understanding how live treats audio. I can just tell you how to warp a track and you're going to go, okay, but you're going to be frustrated because you're not going to understand why you have to do this. You're not going to understand this particular step. But if you understand the worldview, then you're going to go, oh, as long as I put the tempo in first, and as long as I have a click with my stems, as long as my, uh, when I have tempo changes, my click also has those tempo changes, I'm fine. There's no reason for me to stress there. You know, I don't have a lot going on. I don't have, um, uh, it's, it's just easy. And the reason it's easy is because I understand the worldview. So, um, Take a moment, try to learn to understand the worldview of that particular software, of that hardware. Is it built more for creativity, for fast work, or is it built more for fine-tuned work, very engineered, uh, engineering-driven as opposed to more kind of creativity, capture ideas quickly? Um, what's it built for? And you'll understand, I guess, one, if that software is right for you and if it's the, the correct software for you or hardware, uh, or, or two, you'll understand how the next time you have a problem, how you may be able to solve that because you understand the worldview. Uh, third thing that I want to encourage you to do here is uh, pursue more than surface level knowledge. Um, I, I'm preaching to myself here on this. Um, I am someone who enjoys learning things. I enjoy learning why things work. I, I enjoy you know, going deeper onto things and on subjects. Uh, but I have learned the older I've got, there's only so much time I have. Uh, I have a family, I have a wife, I want to spend more time with them than I, than I do with Able to Live. Um, but uh, so I can't go really, really deep on everything. So I've realized I, I have to, it's necessary to be surface level at certain things. But I found that things that are very essential to my skill set, things that are essential to my workflow, I, I can't be surface level on. You've got to understand why something works the way it works. You've got to go beyond just plug this in, you know, do this certain incantation, snap your fingers twice, blink once, and lift up your right leg. And as long as you do that, it's going to work. You've got to understand the reason it works this time and not that time is is this, right? Um, that's going to be super, super helpful um, when it comes to, to going beyond just the how and moving more into the why. So again, I think um, to be successful, to continually get and keep the gig, uh, I think you need to move and shift from asking um, how and trying to figure out how something works and shifting and asking uh, why does it work the way it does. And I think uh, we'll gain a lot of that. And again, as a reminder, three things that will super, uh, that I think will help us with this is number one, dig deeper, ask why, why does it work? Why didn't it work? Number two, learn the worldview of that software or hardware that you're using. Um, that's really going to help you understand how to potentially solve future problems or to understand why that problem happened in the first place. And then three, and again, I'm preaching to myself here, pursue more than surface level knowledge on things, go deeper, dive deeper, really ask why to really understand. Um, that's all I got for today. Um, but here's the thing. If you're finding yourself in this situation, if you're listening to this and maybe you're a little convicted and going, um, I've very much looked at Ableton Live at that surface level thing. Like uh, I am, I'm just kind of do my thing. I build it. No one touch anything. Uh, I know a lot of us kind of create and engineer these solutions and go, no one change anything. No one look at anything. Um, uh, and we talked a couple episodes ago about humbly confident, humbly curious. Well, this ties into that. That curious spot uh, is tied into understanding why. If you find yourself in the situation of, uh, when it comes to Ableton Live, asking why, hoping to understand, looking to dive deeper, um, then I would encourage you to head to fromstudiostage.com slash free. That is a one 
really easy, simple step. Uh, that's gonna, it's just full of, of free resources, free tutorials, free downloads. They're going to help you get beyond surface level to help you go a little bit deeper. Um, and I think that's the first step for you. Now you may be ready to commit and ready to go. I'm ready to join a community that's going to help lead me along the way. Uh, if so, then go to from studio stage.com. Um, I'll include a link below that takes you right to the subscribe page as well. Uh, but just go to the site, check it out, see if it's for you. But I definitely would encourage you from studio stage.com slash free. You'll see all our free resources there. We have about running tracks, templates, um, uh, all, all sorts of stuff, uh, free tutorials. Those are things that are going to help you go from the how to the why, uh, to really kind of get going, uh, and using Ableton live in a successful way. So thanks so much for being with me again, everybody behind the space bar. Super fun. It releases every Monday morning, 10 AM central. You can find us on any podcast platform. Do me a favor, wherever you're listening, hit subscribe, follow. It's free. You don't have to pay for anything. Um, and you can also find us at behind as well. You can watch on YouTube, all of the sorts of places you'll find us all over the place. Thanks for watching, listening to this particular episode. Again, as a reminder, if you leave a review, um, even if it's a bad review, even if you say, man, that will is a big, fat, stupid, dummy head. I'll read it on the next episode. So leave those reviews. Hopefully they're positive and you don't say I'm a big, fat, stupid, dummy head. But if you do, I'll read that as well, too. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you next Monday, 10 a.m. Central, in the next episode of Behind the Space Bar. Take care. Bye.